our Life Together series, I was asked this morning to talk on the subject of family. Now, I'm afraid I haven't got any Dave-esque title. I'm not even going to mention Foreskins. <laughs> um, but there. He asked me to talk to you about why family matters and how we as humans thrive in it. I'm going to try and help us to focus on the importance of interdependence for us all. Why it's helpful for us to do this thing called life together. And what God's plan is for his church to be in community. And it got me thinking, what is it about family that feels so important to me? Many of you will know that I'm passionate about family and seeing family thrive. My mission field, my missio day, if I say it right, that Dave spoke about last week, is to do the job I do empowering families that are facing challenge throughout Radstock, throughout the Soma Valley and Baines. Part of what I'm going to do more of in 2024 here at Welton is being the champion for Home for Good, supporting us to do the best we can for adopting and fostering individuals and families and the children that they demonstrate immense selfless love towards. And at home, I do the best I can. I don't always get it right at this thing called parenting. So yeah, family's a big deal for me. As a focus for this morning, we're going to look at 1 John 4, verses 7 to 21. They're up on the screens, but I don't know how, how clear it is. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And this is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we're like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. There's a lot of love in that passage, isn't there? <laughs> this letter encourages, encourages us to, throughout to grow in our understanding of theology, to step up a level 
with knowing and living in the truth of the gospel. And, which we're focusing on today, to really revel in the love of our Father God as it continually translates into love for one another and ministry to the world. Earlier in chapter 3, John emphasizes this in his words, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And we're going to have a look at this this morning, at some ways we can love our families in home and in our communities. But before I start properly, um, when I was preparing for this talk, I really felt there might be one or two people here this morning for whom family is not a positive word. The concept of family brings up some difficult feelings and memories for you, either from childhood trauma or experiences as an adult in relationships that maybe haven't been healthy. And you've made the decision that you never want to fully invest in family of any kind. You feel that the definition of family is about hurt and pain and rejection. If this resonates with you, that's okay. But I feel God wants to say that he wants to meet with you this morning and help you take steps towards healing whatever it is that's holding you back. God wants you to fully understand and embrace what being in a family means from his perspective. So if you feel that this might be you and you're sitting here this morning sort of thinking, hmm, my heart's going a bit funny, I'd love to pray with you after this service. And I know Matt and Hattie um, or somebody close to you would offer the same. So I'm going to consider aspects of family and how the passage we've read from 1 John helps us to live well together and thrive in community, looking at what we bring and what we can gain from really being in community together. I couldn't come up with three points starting with the same letter, so, you know, um, but, so I've got five points, very dubiously linked by some very cheesy song titles. So here goes. So, a bit of Sister Sledge, we are family. I'm not going to do the 80s disco dancing, I'll, I'll leave that to Hattie. <laughs> so what do we mean by family? In the Bible, the word family itself is used over 120 times, Google tells me, and is referenced over 1,500 times. On the screens right now, you can see a picture of my lovely family. This picture of my crazy crew was my most liked picture of 2023 on Instagram and on Facebook. People were mildly interested in our biggest boy going to his prom, a few people were interested in my ongoing 50th birthday celebrations. And I got a few likes for some beach days, some paddleboarding trips, and things like that. However, a whopping 83 people, and I know I'm, it's not going viral, but, you know, <laughs> liked this picture of our family on Christmas Day. It would seem that my friends love family too. And as you can see, we're a nice, normal family. Joking aside, we fit into perhaps a mould of what people's minds go to when they think of a normal family, whatever normal is. We've got mum, and we've got dad, and we've got three children of varying sizes. Um, but what is normal when it comes to family? Is there such a thing? On the screens now, you can see photos of families either known to us or here as part of our family in church. 
families in all shapes and sizes. And there's no right or wrong when it comes to what family looks like. But there's one fact that is true. Families are created through love. And the, things that keeps family, the thing that keeps families together and functioning well, be they nuclear families, extended or blended families, same-sex families, families with children, families without children, multi-generational families, church families, house group families, youth group families, or any other type of families, the thing that keeps those things working well is love. We are family. And 1 John 4 reminds us that love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows love. We can't do family well without God. So my next heading, under pressure, can't beat a bit of queen. God created family. It's one of the first things he did after creation. In verse 18 of chapter 2 of Genesis, God says, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. God created that family. And he, shown, and he showed us through that first family and subsequent generations throughout scripture that family can get messy. Really messy. We only have to look at many of those Old Testament families. Abraham, Jacob, Noah, David, to name a few. They had it all, didn't they? Feuds, lies, deception, arrogance. They weren't necessarily our greatest role models. And yet in Psalm 68, we hear David proclaiming the Lord as a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows in God in his holy dwelling. He sets the lonely in families and leads out the prisoners with singing. Family is God's chosen way for us, even when it's messy, even when it hurts. And he will use families. But there's no doubt that family life can be tough. And again, we see this so often in the Bible. Joseph's brothers sold him, told their father that he was dead. And then they didn't recognize him. Going on to the New Testament, Mary and Joseph, well, they lost their boy, Jesus, for three days. The first of which, a little bit awkward, they didn't even notice that he had gone. And what does that show us? What it actually shows us is God can still use us and will still use us in our, what we perceive as our failures, our mistakes, and our brokenness. And being a parent in the 21st century isn't any different. It's no less hard. Looking at some statistics, 38% of first-time fathers are concerned about their mental health. There were 2.9 million lone parent families in the UK in 2022, accounting for 15% of all families. 25% of two-parent families with dependent children live in relative poverty. The figure is even higher for families with one parent. It's tough. 1948, the then Prime Minister Winston Churchill made a speech at the time of the birth of Prince Charles, and he said, there is no doubt that it is around the family and the home that all the greatest virtues, the most dominating virtues of human society are created, strengthened, and maintained. More recently, a cross-party manifesto stated, as politicians from across the political spectrum, we've come together for the first time to acknowledge the importance of the 1,001 critical days from when a baby is conceived until the age of two. 
This period of life is crucial to increase children's life chances, and we pledge to work to ensure all babies have the best possible start in life. We're missing an opportunity if we don't prevent problems before they arise. It is vital that a focus on the early years is placed at the heart of the policy-making process. It's one of the few things that the political parties actually agree on. And whilst I love the sentiments in both of these quotes, they've got so much truth in them, they do demonstrate the sheer level of pressure on families with children. There's so much parenting guilt if you don't feel you're getting it right, whatever right looks like. Jerry and I, between us, have over 60 years' experience of being youth workers, schools workers, working in children and families teams, leaving care teams, leading early years teams, and being parents. But our children would definitely agree, there's one sitting there, when I say that I really don't have all the answers when it comes to parenting. Our older children, I have absolutely no doubt, would tell you that we let our youngest get away with far more than we ever let them get away with when they were his, his age. And you know what? In some ways, they're probably right, because third child and all that, I think you get me. Oh, first baby, sugar-free, meat-free, second baby, first food, bacon dipped in Nutella, dropped on the floor by the older sibling. And I'm sure many people can relate to that, and by the third child, well, anyway, we won't even talk about his first foods. I often say to people that reading the book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, which I'm sure many of us read in pregnancy or when we were about to become parents, really doesn't prepare you for having a house full of hormonal adolescents. As a church family, we're so privileged to have so many families in our midst. Sometimes we take it for granted, but not every church has this resource the resource in each other that we need to use. Those of us that have been through different stages of parenting can offer so much to others. Not in a condemning, oh, you don't want to be doing it that way type approach. Or when mine were little, I did this and it was absolutely fine. But getting alongside and journeying together by demonstrating love in action. As shown through the verses we've read of 1 John 4. A few years ago, a friend told me that she'd seen how we were with our children while they were growing up, and that we were modelling the kind of relationship she wanted with her much younger children. I, I sort of looked around, wondering who she was actually talking to, looking for a more sort of adulty adult with you know, perfect children sitting still and behaving themselves. But no, she meant imperfect, often exasperated me. We have a lot to offer each other and a lot to learn from others in our midst. What other communities have this rich diversity of age, stage, and experience that we enjoy here, we enjoy in church community? Our families at Welton and outside of this church need what we can offer. And whether that's holding a new mother as she navigates those early days of parenting, supporting a family as they negotiate those toddler years, or being a sounding board and a safe space for a teenager or parents of teenagers as they navigate holding on or letting go. 
maybe supporting one of our amazing groups on Sunday, like Holly mentioned earlier, that give our children so much richness in their lives? What can we commit to in order to develop this wonderfully rich family to which we belong? Next one, a little bit of Beatles. I'll get by with a little help from my friends. Some of you know that just after Easter last year, Jerry was suddenly taken quite ill and was admitted to hospital. As we sat in A&E, waiting to find out what was going on for him, do you know who the people we reached out to were? You can guess. We didn't go straight to our biological families. They would have worried and possibly have not been able to offer what we needed. But we came straight to our church family, to our house group, to my prayer triplet, and a couple of other people. It felt like the most natural thing to do at that time, to go to our church family and ask for prayer and support. And that, I just think, that's just great to have that. I don't know how, what I would have done in those times without that church family. And in the next days, weeks, and months, we continued to feel that support that came absolutely from a place of love. Through prayer, through the practical outpourings of love, kind words, coffee dates, messages, company, shoulders to cry on. The women in this picture, among others, literally held my head above water in some of the toughest times that we went through last year. And they are an example of family. But for this to happen, we had to be real. We had to allow ourselves to be vulnerable. And I know, I speak for myself, that I'm not very good at that. That's not, that's not always easy to do. Matt reminded us a couple of weeks ago that we shouldn't get out of the habit of coming to church, and he posed the question, what if we need one another more than we think? And I want to echo that here. We need to keep committing to turning up here on Sundays to our house groups. There's a few of our house groups there. To prayer groups, to social events with our church family. Even when we don't really want to even when it's cold and dark outside, and our pyjamas and traitors on the telly seems a lot more inviting. When we get there, we need to be real and honest with each other. Verse 7 to 10 of what we've read reminds us we must continue to love one another since love comes from God. And what a gift we've got. God's love flowing through us to those we connect with. Do we, individually and collectively, need to get real with those we meet with? Let ourselves be open and honest with the family we find in our house groups and other church groups. That is how we grow. That is how we do family. Nice bit of Michael Buble. We just haven't met you yet. Every 15 minutes in the UK, a child will come into care. Many will have suffered neglect or abuse. All will have experienced trauma or loss. And each child deserves a home where they will be loved, nurtured, and enabled to thrive. Whether that's through short-term or long-term foster care, 
with a new adoptive family or through supported lodging. Again, we're so privileged as a church, and I can't underestimate this, that we are home, we are family to a number of families who foster or who have adopted children. And I'd hazard a guess that if I spoke to any one of those families and asked what they needed from us to support them in their journey, at the top or near the top of their list would be that they feel and that their children feel loved and safe in this place. Many, if not all, of the children and teenagers that we come into contact with who have been fostered or adopted will have a narrative subconscious or conscious, which tells them that they're not safe and they're not worthy of love. Verses 17 to 20 talk about there being no fear in love. And this fearless love is what gives us the boldness to be able to demonstrate love to fostered and adopted children that we come up into contact with. Children and young people whose behaviours have the potential to show us that they're fearful that they struggle to understand and fully embrace the love that they're shown. Let's think about how we can put this love that God's given us into action here. Is it a meal left on a doorstep? An offer to babysit? The loan of needed equipment? What would it look like, for a moment, if any fostered or adopted child who came into our church, even for one Sunday, gained the belief that they're designed and lovingly created by God in his image and his likeness? What if they left here knowing that they have incalculable value and that it has nothing to do with what they can do or what they've done? It's not altered by anything they've experienced or endured. What difference would it make to the gut-wrenching statistics that looked after children grow up with in relation to prison populations, poverty, mental health, and physical health and education. Sorry. Whew. What gift we have to offer to these families among us to help change the future for these children and young people. We've committed as a church to be community where we will welcome, embrace, and support fostering and adoptive families. What part can you play in making that happen? So, as we come into land, there's just one more cheesy song title for us to look at to relate these verses to. I'm definitely in the 1990s, wet, 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 four weddings and a funeral version of Love is All Around. I fully appreciate that there are other, other camps here of maybe the noughties Love Actually version, or apparently even the 60s original version. Who even knew that Wet, Wet, Wet weren't first? <laughs> it's a new one to me. Verse 19 to 21 of four, 1 John 4 reminds us that we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Hard words. Loving others, even when it's challenging, is not an optional extra. If we truly love God, we must show that same love to one another. 
even when it's tough, even when we feel we've got nothing in common, and even when we find that person tricky. Matt reminded us a couple of weeks ago that those one another's are all those people that we come into contact with. Loving one another is central to how we have to live as those who love Jesus. And often this will mean stepping outside of our comfort zones. It might make us squirm and we're likely to have to ask for huge amounts of God's grace. But when people outside of our church, outside of the communities that we're part of here, start to see us loving others, they notice. It's countercultural in the world in which we live to do this thing which is increasingly opposite to a world that tells us to put our own needs first and look after our own interests. But when we love others and step beyond what we find easy or comfortable, God's Spirit starts to work in us and we start to allow him and for him to work through us to start to mend this broken world and support breaking or broken people and families. As we finish and move into a time of communion, I'm going to leave you with three questions which will come up on the screens. It would be good if you're able to spend some time in a minute and later on during the day reflecting on these and considering your own response to these questions. So, is there something I need to do so that I can accept and enjoy God's plan for me to be in community and family? What can I do this week to encourage a family within our church community? And how can I play my part as an integral member of our church family here at Welton? I'll be down the front uh, during communion, as will Matt and Hattie, and during coffee. And we'd love to pray with you if something has spoken to your heart this morning. Thank you.